Welcome to Quick Brain, bite-sized brain hacks for busy people who want to learn faster and achieve more. I'm your coach, Jim Quick. Free your mind. Let's imagine if we could access 100% of our brain's capacity. I wasn't high, wasn't wired, just clear. I knew what I needed to do and how to do it. I know Kung Fu. Show me. Welcome back, Quick Brain. Your question for today is how do you tame your wandering mind and your attention? And how do you do that in 12 minutes a day, which is which is a powerful promise of this conversation? I believe behind every principle there are promises. And we're going to talk about some of the amazing principles around a neuroscientist on our show today. We have Dr. Amishi Cha. Thank you for being on our show. Great to be here. Now, you are a professor at the University of Miami. You are author of the best-selling book, Peak Mind, which I recommend all of our quick readers pick up their copy. This book is all about finding your focus, owning your attention, and investing only 12 minutes a day. That's a powerful statement to make. Yeah, yeah. And it comes from, gosh, almost 15 years of research that led us to wanting to find an actionable solution that would be almost a minimum effective dose with mindfulness training because of the kinds of groups that we were working with that were really time pressured. So it's a 12 minute a day invitation on how to begin. But the other piece of information that we have from all of our studies is that the more you do, the more you benefit, just like physical exercise. Yeah, I would imagine that you see uh, with, you know, as, as a researcher, this is something that's a growing challenge for a lot of people. You know, how do you maintain your level of focus in a world full of rings and pings and dings and app notifications, social media alerts, and we're being driven to distraction. So this is an extremely um, important topic. And even now, as you and I are having this conversation, the person that might be listening might not be completely present at that this moment. Yeah, I think most of us know that feeling, right? That we get to the bottom of a page, you have no idea what we read or we're driving somewhere and we have no idea what happened on the journey. Being in the middle of a conversation with somebody and realizing their head is down and they're looking at their phone. I mean, these kinds of things happen to us all the time. It's our modern experience. And it really does feel like it's come to this crisis moment. Like we just don't have ownership over our own mind. And so much has been written regarding solutions to this. So break up with your phone or, you know, take a digital detox for the weekend. Solutions that are really based on controlling the external circumstances and your interaction with social media. And people can give it a try if they choose to. My suggestion is try something else because, frankly, in some sense, our engagement with technology and media, it's like air in our modern world. We need it. You may want to have a digital break up with your phone of the weekend, but you want to go somewhere and you've got to figure out how to get there and you need your phone to just plug in, you know, Google Maps. And that means you can't have it on a, a mode that won't allow you to get notifications. And all of a sudden, there you are, you're in the middle of scrolling through Instagram now or TikTok or whatever. So the notion that our external environment and circumstances should be controlled to solve this problem is problematic for many reasons. And so the solution that we're pursuing in my lab and in my work is really putting the, in some sense, the control and the agency back in the person, him or herself, themselves, which means that we've got to do something differently. We can't just will ourselves to do this. We've got to actually train for it. And how to train for it, how long to train for it, That's the those are the questions we pursue and I really unpack in my book. And so to cut to the chase, the answer is sort of on the front cover. It ends up that about 12 minutes a day of mindfulness meditation training was the solution that we came to after trying out a whole bunch of stuff 
And it was not a solution I ever intended to find. I mean, I'm a neuroscientist. I never thought, you know, I would put, I would be studying meditation. In fact, I would say when I started this work, I was kind of a skeptic regarding what, what it is and, and why it could be beneficial. And obviously I've changed my tune. Astonishing. So people should pay attention to their actual attention. And while the science is relatively new, there are ancient, if you will, solutions. So if somebody has foggy attention and they want to have better attention, is this something in your research that you found is attention is trainable and resilience is trainable? Yeah, absolutely. That was the key thing. It's just what you said. Paying attention to your attention seemed to be a different approach than simply breaking up with your phone or willing yourself to be more productive or more present. Because in some sense, if you break down what occurs in our mind, kind of micro moment by micro moment, attention, and we've just been talking about it as this monolithic thing, but of course it's many things. Attention is constantly being either engaged willfully and directed as we'd like, or it's getting pulled around. And to know which of those it is, is it a lot, is my attention aligned to the thing I want to be doing, or is it somewhere else? I need to be checking in with what my attention is doing. And when I do that and train my mind to do that, if it's off track, I can actually take action to, to return it back to where I'd like it. If I have no idea where it is, I will spend three hours on you know, some social media site without having any idea of what, pa- what time has passed. And we've all been there. I mean, it's not a fun thing to wake up to that fog of like, what? <laughs> but the reason that can happen is because we're not checking in with our mind in that moment. We're not actually questioning what the intention is, where it is, and whether it needs to continue being there. But if we did, we could make different choices. So, so as, a, as a cognitive neuroscientist, and when you're studying the brain, what's actually going on inside, we could talk even metaphorically, when, when people lose their attention. Right. So there's, you know, attention is not one thing. It's probably three things or more, but at least the three kind of main systems of attention that we've studied in my lab are quite different from each other. And they all have the potential to go haywire (laughs) in these moments of distractibility and and frankly, even psychological health challenges like depression or anxiety or attention deficit disorder. So one way in which we pay attention is really the metaphor I like to use is like a flashlight. So we can direct it willfully wherever we want it. And just like an actual flashlight, if you're in a darkened room and you've got a flashlight, very handy tool, because wherever it is that you direct it, you're going to get information. You're going to get crisp, clear information Everything else is a hazy, darkened uh, nothingness in some sense. And attention does that for our conscious experience. Wherever it is that we direct that attentional flashlight, we get crisper, clearer information. And we know this at the neural level. We actually see increases in perceptual activity in the earliest stages of visual processing when people are paying attention to a particular part of space or particular object, which tells you how powerful attention really is. But the thing about the flashlight, going back to your question of, of vulnerabilities, Sure, we can direct it, but it can also get pulled. Mm-hmm. And the kinds of things that can pull our attention are really baked into our evolutionary makeup. I mean, things that have to do with salient information in the environment, right? Things that might produce fear in us or make us flee from a dangerous situation or provoke a fight or a conflict or things that have to do with anything having to, having to do with ourselves, frankly. Anyway, so the point is just that when it comes to that particular system of attention, it can be directed and it can be pulled. And, and you can see how hyper-focusing on the thing you're trying to direct toward to disadvantage can be problematic or getting flitted around everywhere because there's stimuli that might grab you, just like the ding of our phone or a social media notification can be problematic. But just to quickly say something about the other two main systems of attention that are that are part of this broader topic, whereas the flashlight is really about advantaging certain kinds of information and wherever we direct that 
that attentional resource, we get more access to information available there. The second system is almost the exact opposite. It's not really about what we're attending to. It's about when. Mm-hmm. And it's not about narrowing and focusing to a certain subset of things. It's about being broad and receptive. So this is something we call formally the alerting system of the brain. And it, it's just like that, the alert we go on. So if you're driving down the street and you see you know, a yellow flashing light, maybe near a construction site, you're going to be alert. You're not going to be focusing on anything in particular. You're going to be broad, receptive, and ready. More like a floodlight? Exactly, like a floodlight. So flashlight, floodlight are sort of the ways that I like to talk about the distinct mechanisms. And what's so cool about this system is that it's ready for action. It's tied to being advantaging, again, our survival. But just like there's, you know, the capacity to get the flashlight yanked around, the floodlight can go on overdrive. And now we're not just vigilant, we're hypervigilant. Everything is keeping us on edge and readied. And things like threatening circumstances can drive this up, which leads to disorders like anxiety and PTSD and is associated with it. And then the third system, it's not so much about what the flashlight, when, now, the floodlight, it's really about our goals, our internally held priorities of what's important and relevant for us to do. And the metaphor I like to use here, which, you know, fr- frankly, I'll start with the formal name for this system, executive control. And it's like that term executive that we'd use for the executive of a company. The person's job as a leader is not to do every single thing in the organization, but to ensure that the goals of the organization and the actions are matched. So the metaphor there I like to use, and you can see in the executive context how much this is done, a juggler. You're keeping all the balls in the air, ensuring that everything's happening smoothly. And of course, in taking too many balls on or not paying attention to their coordination or oversight, the balls will be dropped. Tasks will fail. There'll be a mismatch between goal and action, which often occurs in disorders like attention deficit disorder and other kinds of uh, frontal lobe function disorders that we might say. So there are many ways in in, in which attention functions and also many ways in which it can become vulnerable because of this multiplicity. Now, you and I, we were, we, you mentioned that it's trainable, uh, which is gives people their agency back when they when they lose their attention, and it, and we could direct it, right? You you get a you ask somebody what time it is, their attention goes there. They ask somebody what they ate yesterday, it goes there. Mm. When we're talking about practicing and train and, and doing the the mental work, what happens in this in this twelve minutes then? And I encourage everyone to get a copy of the book because obviously it, it'll go way deeper. So the training itself, I'll give you one sort of example of a foundational practice, and it touches on all three of the systems that we talked about, as well as this internal distractibility, or what I call mind wandering, having off-task thoughts while you're trying to engage in a task. And really, it starts out, and this is why mindfulness is such a cool, low-tech, low-demand, highly portable and free tool that we can all use. The key is that we got to get ourselves to do it. So what you'd ask people to do is sit in a comfortable, quiet, supportive location. Take this seriously in the same way if you did a physical workout, you know, you'd have the right gear on and you'd have your mind ready to engage in uh, the practice. Then what we're going to do next is pay attention to the fact that we're sitting here breathing and the breath and breath-related sensations will become the anchor for our attention. Out of all the things we could pay attention to, it will be the thing we're going to focus in on. And not just the fact that we're breathing, but a very specific sensory experience tied to breathing. Like, you know, the coolness of air moving in and out of your nostrils, maybe your chest moving up and down. Whatever it is for you that's vivid and able to be easily tracked, you don't want to f- pick something like, oh, I can kind of feel my heart beating, or don't pick something subtle. Pick, pick something that's very easy to pay attention to. And then in some sense, the next step is 
for the next period of time that we do it. And I wouldn't encourage anybody to just, if you've never done this before, to jump right into 12 minutes. Start with maybe 30 seconds or a minute mm. and then build up to, to that number. But think of it as now you're going to focus on those breath-related sensations for this period of time that you're going to do the practice by shining that flashlight of attention right on those sensations. Like that's where you're going to direct your, your mental energy. Usually we have people close or lower their eyes, so there's not as much happening in the environment. And then the next step is essentially you've engaged the flashlight, you know where it's supposed to be, but keep that floodlight also available to you. So you're checking out moment by moment right now, where is my mind? Where am I? What is going on right now? And then on occasion, probably more often than you'd think, you'd notice, oh my goodness, my flashlight is nowhere on my breath. I'm thinking about lunch or I'm thinking about this or that, or I'm having you know some, some other thing come up, thoughts, memories, sensations. And when you notice that your mind has wandered away, essentially, then we're going to kick in this executive control to say, is my behavior aligned with my goals? No, it's not. Mm-hmm. Just redirect attention back. So in that short kind of practice, we're focusing, you know, which is the, the flashlight, noticing, which is the floodlight, and then aligning or redirecting back to the goal, which is the juggler. And all of these things are happening in coordination and sort of repeatedly by doing something for as short as a minute and then building up to 12 minutes, which does some very interesting things. It it gives us a sense of practice of how to do this. It strengthens, we know from our objective measures um, that it strengthens attentional performance and real world performance as well as mood. You know, and the goal is not to just do this because you're an Olympic level breath follower. Who cares? Like, <laughs> but you're just using it as right. an anchor. Now, when you're in the middle of a conversation or you're trying to write a report or anything you're doing, you're kind of keeping those three aspects in mind. Focusing, there is a target, noticing where I am relative to that, and then redirecting to get back on track. This 12 minutes that I suggested, 12 to 15 minutes, about three to five days a week, is what it takes to start seeing the actionable benefits in people's lives. Over the course of about four weeks. Astonishing. And and some some of our listeners, they are are very ambitious and they set good big goals. Is is there any harm in doing this training multiple times a day? No, there's no harm. I mean, I would say the harm is is always check in with yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you want to be very careful to take care. And if you've got some kind of underlying psychological disorder or other challenge. Know that what I'm talking about here, I'm a neuroscientist. I'm not a clinician. I'm not talking about specific circumstances. So if somebody's in an active trauma situation and they're dealing with active symptoms, take care and do it with uh, the guidance of your medical professional. But yes, what we know overall in, in healthy individuals, even if they're extremely high stress, is that the more you practice, the more you benefit. But this threshold number of 12 minutes a day is essentially the minimum amount that we needed to see people practice in order for there to be benefits. So if they practice less, we just were not seeing significant changes in anything about their functioning, their mood, their attention, et cetera. So it is a kind of a critical number, but going beyond that, usually just like physical exercise, the more you do, the more you benefit. Yeah, a reminder for everyone who's listening is concerned to, to seek out their health practitioner that is not meant to diagnose or to treat anything. I want to recommend everybody to go get your copy of Peak Mind by Dr. Ja. And how can people find out more or stay in touch with you? Yeah, I'd love for people to stay in touch. They can sign up for our newsletter. They can read about our research, uh, learn more about the book at, if they can remember my first name, they'd be easily able to do it. Amishi.com, A-M-I-S-H-I.com. 
So I recommend everybody to get Dr. Jaws a copy of uh, Peak Mind to all our quick readers uh, around the world that are listening to this. Uh, remember to subscribe on our YouTube where we put more of the extended version there as well. And I would actually, actually, I would challenge everybody to take a screenshot of where wherever you're listening and consuming this, whether that's on Spotify, on iTunes, on YouTube, maybe on social media, and tag Dr. Jaw, tag myself also as well, so we get to see it. And maybe we could ask them a question to put in the post when they when they do post it. What do you suggest? Yeah, let's tie it directly to the moment that they're doing the screenshot. Are you actually paying attention to that moment? Are mm. you in the moment as you're clicking the button? And the challenge would be be there. Don't miss it. Because that, that's what life is made out of. Right. A lot of life happens when, when when we are putting our focus into something that's uh, not not as, as as important to us. So highly recommend the book. Get everyone, get your copy. Tag us, we get to see it. I'll uh, repost a few of mine just randomly and I'll actually give three copies of Peak Mind to our audience at random for just as a thank you for participating. And, and uh, Dr. Ja, thanks for, for being on our show. No, thank you so much. And what a nice thing to do to give the book away. I appreciate that. We'll talk to everybody real soon. Want to double your brain speed and memory power? If you'd like to learn rapidly and get ahead faster, I'd like to give you my brand new Quick Brain Accelerator program. You will discover exactly what I teach my clients to learn, read, and remember anything in half the time. There is no charge. It's my gift to you for being one of our subscribers. That's K-W-I-K brain.com. Growing up struggling with learning challenges from a childhood brain injury, it's been my life's mission to help you have your very best brain so you can win more every single day. Now, want more quick brain? Here are four ways to fast track your results and lock in what you just learned into your long-term memory. Remember fast, F-A-S-T. The F stands for Facebook. You're not alone on this journey. I invite you to join our free private online group. There you can connect with me, your fellow brain lovers, links to resources, and even submit your questions for me to answer in future episodes. Go to quickbrain.com. That's K-W-I-K brain.com. The A stands for apply. Act on what you learned today. Remember, knowledge is not power. It's potential power. It only becomes power when you use it. So use what you just learned. The S stands for subscribe. Don't miss the next episode and other free brain training. And finally, the T stands for teach. You want to learn faster now? The key is to lock it in right away by teaching it to someone else. When you teach something, you get to learn it twice. Here's a simple way to do that. Leave a review on iTunes. Leave a review with your biggest takeaway from this episode. You could also post and share this podcast on your social media. It helps us spread our mission of building better, brighter brains. And of course, tag us so our team can properly thank you. Hashtag quick brain, K-W-I-K brain. Mine is at Jim Quick, K-W-I-K, on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. So what does FAST stand for? Facebook, apply, subscribe, teach. I'll see you in our next episode of Quick Brain. Until then, remember, you are faster and smarter than you think. I hope you're enjoying this episode. And if you want to go deeper with many of these authors that we have on our podcast, these experts, I want to invite you to join our Quick Success program. This is our monthly lives that I do, where I teach something brand new that we haven't taught before. 
answer your burning questions. And also we have something that people have been requesting for many years, a quick book club. This is your Limitless Book Club, where every single month we read a book together, uh, like a book provided by this author. And then we get the author to come online and join us for a one hour uh, share, going deeper in these strategies, how to put them into practice. Uh, I share my five tips for how to memorize things out of these books. Many people want to read a book a month or build up to that. And this would be the program. So if you want to join, just go to quicksuccess.com and get your spot and join us live and get to meet these authors very uh, up close and personal. And uh, back to the episode.